Welcome back to Bay Area Regional Medical Hour on Vinyl Draft Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Abby Lee, Director of Marketing and Business Development at Bay Area Regional Medical Center. We are live for Bay Area Regional Medical Hour with Dr. Karan Bala. We're talking about all things veins, spider veins, varicose veins, venous insufficiency, and all sorts of stuff. Now we're going to be talking about treatment, and I also want to introduce Dr. Dunn. We're going to be talking to her in just a few minutes about stress and diabetes and cholesterol and all sorts of fun stuff. So let's talk about veins and how are they treated, spider veins and varicose veins. Sure. So, um, um, Abby, spider veins are, are very easily treated, and the concept is that if you can inject a solution called sclerosant. In our practice at the Ryan Medical Vein Center, we use uh, something called a sclera polydocanol. It's an agent that's been around about 20, 30 years. There's only one manufacturer in the world. Very safe, very easy, very relatively painless injections directly into the veins. And what this solution does is it irritates the inside of the veins. The veins disappear right under you, you can see them. And most patients watch their veins just disappear and they're like, oh my God, That's that awesome. is amazing. They come back though in a few seconds. <laughs> so as they re- right. so, oh, man. <laughs> so they refill with blood, but now that the sclerosant has touched the inside of the veins, the veins over the next two weeks will all collapse and go away. Sclerosant uh, or you know, injection sclerotherapy, that's what it's called, is it, it kind of takes about two to four weeks for it to really take effect and the veins eventually fade away. Most women are very happy and women are, of course, 90% of who want their spider veins treated and most women are very happy with the results of uh, sclerotherapy. That being said, now varicose veins or venous insufficiency are treated totally differently mm-hmm. and the concept here this takes a couple of minutes to explain, but um, um, this is an important concept so patients understand why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and this analogy that I give a lot of my patients is that if your heart is Houston and your feet is or is Webster, okay, you have Interstate 45 that is going from Webster up to Houston, and that's your veins carrying blood. The, northbound interstate 45 or your veins carrying blood from webster to houston and there are two kinds of roads that you can take to go from webster to houston you can take the main lanes on the highway on interstate right and Mm -hmm. those are your deeper veins that run by your by your bones or you can take the feeder road or the access roads and those are your superficial, the veins that run right under your skin. Those are the ones that become varicose. Those are the ones that bulge. Those are the ones that typically cause you to have symptoms of aching and heaviness. And so we want your cars, we want your blood, we want your traffic to go from Webster to Houston on the main lanes on the highway. That's the most efficient way for blood and traffic to move up north. However, when you have a wreck on the highway or in patients in whom there's a lot of traffic on the feeder road. So cars and blood are trying to accumulate on the feeder roads in your superficial veins under your skin and not use the main lanes. One way of treating that would be just close the superficial veins, close the (coughs) feeder road down. So if the access road is closed, blood blood and traffic and cars have no other way to go besides on the main lanes. And that forms the basis of the concept of why we close superficial veins or um, in, in, in closing those superficial veins helps relieve symptoms, help heals ulcers, etc. And so that kind of makes, makes it a little easier for most patients to kind of get some 
ideas to what we're doing and, and, and a lot of questions get answered similarly that oh do we need these veins why are you closing them down and uh, it's worked beautifully and this concept has been around over a century now so over 100 years people have had their veins stripped hundreds of years ago we do not do that anymore <laughs> and uh, and there's many newer ways of treating vein disease and so uh, again the concept being close the superficial veins the veins mm-hmm. that run under the skin and a lot of your symptoms will improve. So does insurance cover treatments like this? Absolutely. There are, there are very, very few. I would say less than 1% of insurance plans, most commercial insurance plans, will not cover the procedures that I just spoke about. Uh, Medicare is a covered pro- uh, covered procedure and for the right reason. So you have to have symptoms. You can't just have leaky veins and no symptoms. We're not going to fix your veins. There's no reason to. Mm-hmm. But if you have the symptoms, aching, heaviness, pressure, cramping, burning, itching, restless legs at night, those are symptoms of vein disease and fixing your veins will definitely help improve those symptoms. Okay. Fixing veins, two ways, really easy, simple way to do it. One is we put a little tube inside the vein, heat up the tube, the tube heats up, it's called radiofrequency, vein doesn't like heat, vein shuts down, goes from being a straw that you can sip water through to into a little thread. That is kind of the older way to do it. Um, Ryan Medical is actually a worldwide training center for a newer form of therapy for vein disease, which instead of taking the vein out, which is what we did 100 years ago, mm-hmm. to heating the vein and closing it down, which is what we've done for the last 10 or 15 years, I can now put super glue inside the vein. So instead of heating the vein, we take super glue, cyanoacrylate, the same glue you get at Home Depot. Well, not the same, same kind. <laughs> And wow. you can put super glue inside the vein and close, close the vein up. down. So the advantage is when you heat something in your body, it's 120 degrees Celsius. It's, that, it's really hot. Mm-hmm. So you've got to numb the vein. The numbing process is a little painful, hurts a little. It's not unbearable. But at the same time, this is an office-based procedure. I'm not giving people anesthesia. This is something you walk into our office at 5.30 in the morning and you're home at 6.30 in the morning. And that's how easy it is. But... Those 15, 20 minutes, there is some amount of pain. And so Venaseal, which is the super glue procedure, is virtually painless. There's only one poke where we enter your vein, and gluing the inside of the vein is completely painless. And we're one of the very few places in the city that you can have that procedure done. That is so fascinating. So really the only one you're going to feel is the numbing agent, really? One poke. Yes, ma'am. That's awesome. So I am very scared of needles. Can you do procedures with minimal sticks? That's kind of that's the one procedure that we just talked about. Right. I don't like to wear compression stockings. Can I get a procedure done that doesn't involve post-op compression stockings? So that's that's a good you that's a good question that you're asking and a lot of patients and I remember this one patient we've had and we've done this a decade now and so we've seen thousands of patients with vein disease and we had this one lady who had seen Every vein center in the city knew most of the doctors by their first name, but never got her veins treated for 18 years. She has huge, big veins and finally came to us and said, the only requirement I have that after you do my procedure, I don't want my legs wrapped. And after you do radio frequency, which is the heat or laser, your legs get wrapped and you need to keep that compression on for two weeks. 
She's saying, I don't want to do it. Mm. Well, the advantage of Venaseal or the glue is you don't need post-operative compression. You don't need to put compression stockings on. We put a Band-Aid on the patient's leg and they walk out of the office. Oh, wow. So That's awesome. Dramatically improved. She was very happy. That was, And we actually did her veins at a time when Venaseal was not even an insurance-covered procedure. It is now or is going to be in the next few weeks. But uh, she, back two or three years ago, she was one of the first few people in the city, actually, to get it done. And she's very happy, still happy, wears shorts back to the office. Awesome. And, and so when you use the super glue procedure, do the varicose veins shrink? Because usually you can see them bulging outside of the skin. So do, do they go away after that? So a lot of them go away. And for the ones that remain, we can do something called phlebectomy, which is actually small little incisions on the skin, again, office-based, very simple procedure, and actually take out those veins that are bulging. Those are veins that are exceed six millimeters in size. So if I can see someone's vein that's bulging, that doesn't go away with one of the ablative procedures, that's what we call it, then we do something called phlebectomy. Again, office-based, again, covered by insurances. Okay, so what questions should I ask my treating physician about their practice of vein disease? So that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, and that's, you know, there's... There are physicians treating veins in every corner of Houston, and this has gone from when we started 10 years ago to now. Um, there are about maybe you know 10 times more physicians who are treating vein disease, and everyone's got a skill set that's different. And so, <coughs> one is that um, one is is look for accreditation, and accreditation is something called the inner societal. Accreditations, IAC accreditation, and uh, that is basically a seal for cardiac and vascular physicians around the country that you've achieved a certain level of care for your patients and quality control and safety measures that you are now in the top 1% in the country. And I'm sure Orion, you have that accreditation. Orion wow. Medical is the only vein center in the whole city of Houston that has ISC accreditation. Wow, it, congrats. It was, awesome. It was very, awesome. very difficult to get, very, very <coughs> tough. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of, lot of knowledge and know-how to be able to get that. That's, That's one. Great. And So that would be one question, one really important question that patients can ask their physician. Second is, as... Unfortunate, this happens in, in almost every business. And as veins become more treated, some physicians, not all, some physicians are driven by the financial gains of fixing people's veins. So inappropriate vein fixes, we've seen that. I see that on a weekly basis now. People have been told you need 23 veins done and 18 veins done. They come to our clinic. I'm like, no, you well, don't. You that's need a lot. four. And so, so that's one is, you know, look for those little red flags when mm -hmm. your doctor is telling you, oh, you need 24 procedures. You're like, okay, hang on. I have two legs. How can I have 24 <laughs> procedures yeah. done? So that's the second thing. And third is, is these... These devices that I am uh, ta talking to you about, like the radio frequency ones and, and the Venaseal there, um, they have a certain cost. And to my practice, that's the number one cost we have is to purchase those devices. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of practices who are now reprocessing their catheters, which means they're taking someone that 
I did a vein procedure in patient A, and then three days later, the catheter is being wiped clean and sterilized. With you so know, you're using rather, all new. We use brand new only. Every we time. Use, we have single. They're meant for single use. They were designed for single use. We throw it away. Okay. So we can reuse them, but we don't choose to do it. Well, that's awesome. Okay, so we have just a few seconds left. Why did you choose to specialize in vein disease when you are car- are a cardiologist? Sure. So that again, you know, good question. I asked that self. I asked myself that a lot before we started. And so my my training was not just in cardiology, but more so in vascular medicine. And so almost half of what I do is arterial work or something called peripheral arterial disease. And as first few years in practice, I noticed that we were, I was getting patients who were referred to me for what was thought to be peripheral arterial disease when actually it was all venous disease. <coughs> and there is no formal venous training in fellowship, so I trained myself over the course of the last 10, ten years to become a venous expert so I can wow. offer our patients really wholesome care for both their arteries and their veins. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to take a break real quick, and we'll come back to how can people contact you when we come back from our, our break real quick, um, and we'll be back. Thanks so much. Welcome back to Bay Area Regional Medical Hour on Vinyl Draft Radio, coming live from the ACU of Texas studio. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Abby Lee. We have two awesome guests here. Dr. Karan Bala is just going to finish up talking about, we talked about veins, spider veins, varicose veins. So if you're interested and you're just tuning in, go back and listen to the first part of this. We also have Dr. Candice Dunn. She's an internal medicine physician. We're going to talk about stress and cholesterol and diabetes, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, And I want to give a shout out to everybody who's watching real quick. We have Ryan and Karen, Tegan, Santiago says hello. Hi, Santiago. Uh, Luz and Nicole, hi you guys. If y'all have questions, y'all post them below. We're really glad to see you live on our Facebook. So, Dr. Bala, if someone is interested in learning a little bit more about your procedures and making an appointment with you, how do they reach to you? Sure. So, um, our website is orionmedical.net. It's O-R-I-O-N medical.net. And, of course, we're on Facebook, and our offices are located in Friendswood, right on 518, 528, as well as an office in Pasadena, which is right off Space Center on Crenshaw and the Beltway. Um, Telephone number to the office is 713-943-2800. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We're so excited that you're here. So nice talking to you today about veins. Great. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. All right, Dr. Dunn. Let's talk about stress. Let's. (laughs) Because everybody seems to be stressed lately, right? I think they just need to calm down, but yeah. Yeah, so talk to me about how stress can affect your life and your your health. Um, So stress is one of those things where it can affect every aspect of your life, from your mood, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your marriage, your kids. And it... A lot of times it starts doing so before you even realize it's happening. Um, So without going into a lecture about why you should not be stressed out, let's talk about what it can do to your physical health. When we're stressed out, we make bad decisions. Um, A lot of time, I'm going to apologize in advance because I have the worst allergies on the planet. So that's why I've been sitting here coughing (laughs) and sniffling. But... um, you make bad decisions, number one, when you're stressed out. You drink more alcohol, you drink more Coke, you drink, you eat worse food. Chocolate. Um, chocolate. Or sometimes you, some people do the opposite and mm-hmm. they stop eating. Mm-hmm. They don't eat what's nutritious for them and they lose weight. Either way, you make bad decisions, you sleep less, your sleep is either too much or too little. 
Um, so those are kind of the underlying things that can occur when you're stressed out. So when you start doing those things, your body pr- produces these stress hormones. So your sympathetic nervous system just starts pumping out adrenaline. And I mean, how long do you want to be in a fight or flight situation? Because if you're stressed, you're in it forever, like till you're not stressed anymore. Yeah. And it, it stresses your heart. It stresses your body. It stresses your brain. Things just get kind of worse. Um, and then something else that occurs when you're stressed out is we have a hormone called cortisol made by the adrenal glands. Cortisol gets, um, y'all are going to love this, cortisol gets released when we're stressed out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And long-term cortisol released by the adrenal glands can cause you to gain weight in your belly. Oh, yay. Yeah. It can cause problems with heart problem, like heart disease, if you already have that, or it can even cause high blood pressure. Um, and it can cause things like diabetes and stuff like that. So oh, stress wow. is no no bueno. I, uh, I have a side note story. Whenever uh, a few years ago, my cortisol <coughs> was crazy high. And my doctor said, this is the highest that she's ever seen an, a, a person that age. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so crazy. So what do you tell people to do to lower their stress, to lower all of these things so they don't go into have heart disease? Take or... a break, man. <laughs> Just take a break. Listen to the, okay, so listen to the people around you because they're going to be the first ones to notice that you're super stressed. They're going to mm-hmm. be like, hey, kind of weird. <laughs> like, or you're a little take, on edge. Take a break. Yeah. Um, do whatever you need to do for you. It's always okay to ask for help, whether it's professional help from a mental health specialist. Your your regular physician will always be there to help you. Your OB, whoever you go to, ask for help from your family and friends. If you're just overwhelmed with something in life, just talk to somebody about it. Um, things to do to relax: read a book, do what you're good like, do whatever makes you feel relaxed. Um, meditation, yoga those things okay don't smoke cigarettes yeah and i've heard yeah. a lot of people that like to run too as like that's their stress relief and yeah, some people that it stresses is. them out though <laughs> thinking about running causes me stress <laughs> if i can run it's usually a good day so yeah if i have to run somebody or something is chasing me very quickly <laughs> oh you're not a runner but that's okay no i'll read a book and take a bath oh that sounds good yeah. too that's yeah. nice and relaxing yeah Okay, anything else stress-wise that you want to stress to people? I just want to stress to everyone that stress is a lot more serious than I think most people give credit to. A lot of our health problems, I think, would be minimized at least a little bit um, if we were a little less stressed out just as, a, as, a, as people as, as a whole. Okay, so we have a couple of Facebook questions and yes. comments real quick before we go into diabetes. Okay. So Jan Lee says, hi, Dr. Dunn. We just talked about stress at my last visit. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says, what should people try to do before looking for sleep meds? Try to sleep. No, I'm joking. There's some, Google sleep hygiene. There's something called sleep hygiene, and it, most of it's common sense, but I think we don't follow it. And so if you have a list of things to do before you go to sleep, it'll give you kind of a checklist. Like make sure it's cold. Make sure you don't have caffeine after a certain period of time in the afternoon. For me, it's 3 p.m. I can't do that. Um, no screen time 30 minutes or longer prior to going to bed. Um, Which is very like hard that. to do, side Girl, note. Oh, I my fall Lord. asleep with the TV on, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, sleep meds are like a last resort because mm-hmm. you want to be you want to be able to 
to sleep on your own. You want to be able to lay down, hit the pillow, and within eight to eleven minutes. That's what I was. Be my asleep. next question: eight to nine, so or eight to eleven. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there 30, 45 minutes later get and you're up. done, get up. Do not lay in the bed. Get up. Get up and Go do, do what? something. Whatever you want. Walk around well, the house. No screen time, but like get up, <laughs> read a book. Um, just don't lay in the bed staring that long Mm -hmm. interesting i can usually find a book and then within 30 minutes i'm like getting cozy and you know Mm -hmm. punking out at this stage in my life i can fall asleep anywhere in about three minutes (laughs) you (laughs) could also just have a two-year-old if you have a two-year-old or a baby you're gonna fall asleep it's fine you're gonna be much better (laughs) at it agreed agreed okay so let's talk about (laughs) diabetes why does it matter to people well (laughs) It's a very bad thing to have. Um, Diabetes is something where our pancreas either um, cannot produce insulin or isn't producing enough insulin. So our blood sugar is really high over, you know, majority of the day or if not all day, every day. Um, So diabetes can cause a complication in quite literally every single organ that we have. Mm -hmm. So it's really important. It's important to get screened for it. It's important to find out from your family members if it runs in your family. Um, And it's really important to talk to your doctor about it if you have it, because it's something that you may not have symptoms from immediately, but we can prevent that from happening a lot of the time. So I'm sure this is a blood test that you would check. How often should people check it? Um, I'm not like a real big by the book kind of person. So I do, I I look at everyone on an individual basis. If you're over the age of 30, you should be seeing a physician every, anywhere between one to three years and getting screened for it every one to three years. Okay. So what are the signs and symptoms of someone that has diabetes? Until it's a problem, nothing. Weight gain. So when it's a problem? Um, like in the beginning stages, it's just you're a little overweight, most likely. You have family history of it. Um, you probably won't notice any signs or symptoms. When it becomes a problem, and when we think of it as clinicians as something that we need to be looking for, you're very thirsty, you're peeing a lot, um, you can start losing weight. So usually, like we how find much it, weight are people losing? Like not five pounds, like 20 pounds. Oh, wow. That's a, a lot. lot. A lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Without big trying. difference. Mm-hmm. And they're all, and they're hungry with that too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the difference between type 1 and type 2? Um, type 1, well, there's a lot of types. Dr. Pan, don't get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, long story short, type 1 is going to be an autoimmune problem, and so you're going to be diagnosed a little younger. And usually we think of that as something called insulin-dependent diabetes. So these people have to be treated with insulin or they die. Um, type 2 di- diabetes, it, it's usually, usually we are a little older when it's onset, but there's definitely a gray zone. There's definitely an overlap between the two. Um, as far as age of diagnosis, but type two diabetes is just think of it as like your pancreas is worn out and you need help making insulin or you need insulin at some point. Okay. So when you're talking about kids and they have type one, what are, are their signs and symptoms the same way? They get really thirsty and they lose a lot of weight. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Let's skip type one diabetes. (laughs) Okay. Can exercise make a difference? Exercise makes all the difference. Everyone, especially with stress. Um, <laughs> so when you are overweight, you are at increased risk for high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, and something that we call metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have found that if you lose weight and you get your BMI down to, which is your body mass index, 
um, down to what we feel as physicians is an appropriate level, then your risk for those things decreases. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I have somebody who comes in and says, okay, I got my lab work done, my blood sugar is a little high, I have pre-diabetes. The first thing I want to say is lose 20 pounds and you won't have pre-diabetes most likely. Ooh, okay. You know what I mean? So I'm going to stop you right there because we have to go There's to break. I know there is a clock back there that I okay. can see. So we're going to go to break and we'll come back to talk about pre-diabetes and exercise and metabolic syndrome because that's super fascinating. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Abby Lee and we are talking to Dr. Dunn. We were talking to Dr. Dunn about diabetes, so we'll finish that up and then talk a little bit about cholesterol before we go. I wanted to give a shout out to everybody else who is watching on Facebook, and if you have questions for Dr. Dunn while you're watching, feel free to post those down below. Hi, Candy. Hi, Janley. Good to see you guys on Facebook. Okay, so we were, we, what were we talking about? I, I just know. blanked on that. So pre-diabetes? Pre-diabetes, diet and exercise. Oh, yes. yes. And do you know how crazy it is? Every doctor that I have on this show, whatever the topic, they always talk about diet and exercise. Because it prevents a lot of problems that people don't want. And this, I think, was what we were going to segue into. Some things are hereditary. Some things that no matter how hard you try, you can't help all the time. So when somebody who's like pretty much underweight comes in and they have diabetes, it's not like I can say lose 30 pounds Mm. and it'll go away. At that point, you say, oh, you have bad luck. Blame your mom and dad. <laughs> blame, yeah. your, blame your family. Um, but yes, diabetes does tend to run in families. Um, so that's why I say it's really important for you to talk to your parents, know their medical history, know your grandparents' medical history Ooh. on both sides, because it helps us a lot. Because one of the things, and I'm pretty blunt about it when I see my patients and they'll attest to this, I say, what does your family die from? It's either going to be cancer or heart disease. It's one or the other. So if it's heart disease, then I worry about diabetes, high cholesterol, um, strokes, heart attacks. And so you were talking a little bit about how they all run together. Why don't we talk about that real quick? Right, right. So we've kind of um, started calling this something called metabolic syndrome is where you're overweight and you have high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol. So I'm, I'm finding that most people with diabetes who don't have um, con- like the comorbidity of um, high blood pressure or heart disease don't realize that that they all kind of go together. So diabetes is essentially a heart attack risk factor in itself. Um, so if you have diabetes and it's uncontrolled, what I'm worried about is your heart mm-hmm. or a stroke or yeah. your kidneys or something like that happening. It's um, gonna, it, doesn't it affect, you can... You, oh my God, your, your eyes, your heart, your feet, you want your, your feet, feet cut off, yeah. your, everything. It's crazy. Yeah. So kind of like going back to doc, to what, um, our little vein specialist was talking about, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to the whole picture. And I, and I think it's odd. And he's a great person to go to because he's a cardiologist. So he's going to be good at diabetes. He's going to be good at high blood pressure. And he's going to know the difference between, like he was saying, the arterial side and the venous side of problems. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's kind of, one-stop shop there, there guys. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about cholesterol. There's two different kinds. One is good, one is bad. Do you have a way that you tell people? Okay, there's like 50 kinds. Okay, what do you tell people? <laughs> um, <coughs> cholesterol also... Um, Oh, cholesterol is fun for me because we have a way to treat it really well. Um, our cholesterol medications are awesome. They work. 
It's it's great. Cholesterol, a lot of it's going to be hereditary and a lot of it's going to be what we eat. So we have to be careful with what we eat. Um, I think one of my favorite diets to tell people that I think every person on the planet would benefit from, for the most part, unless you have really specific weird diseases, is the DASH diet. And it, it you can look it up, D-A-S-H, DASH diet, American Cardiology Association, all those things. Yeah. But cholesterol is one of those things where, um, so diabetes, your blood sugar is too high. But you have to think about it like you have this sugar in your blood that's not usually there so there's extra things in the blood don't mm-hmm. I, it's not necessarily that you have thick blood but there's more sugar in there that needs to be so cholesterol is kind of the same way bad cholesterol in your blood there's more things in your blood making it kind of not sludgy because it still flows right. you know but you can get blockages and these cholesterol blockages this is what can cause heart attacks. This is what can cause strokes and stuff like that. So that's why cholesterol is so important. It's a big deal. It's a risk factor like diabetes for heart attacks and, and heart disease. So then we have good cholesterol, which is kind of like the rotorooter. We think of that as being they're high-density lipoproteins. So what they do is they rotorute your your low cholesterol, your, your LDL, and kind of push it through. Mm-hmm. So how do, so do you have a, a way the dash diet is what you tell people to do dash to help with that? Dash diet's a good diet. Dash diet helps with hypertension and it's just an all-around well-balanced diet for for heart health. Okay, so do you, are there symptoms of high cholesterol? Heart attacks, death, stroke. So are there other symptoms before that? There like, can there, like diabetes, so you have be, those specific ones, right? Yeah, but once you're past a certain age, we just check your cholesterol to make sure it's um, that it's okay. So one of the things, it's not super common, but we can get like little fat deposits in our skin around our eyes. Mm-hmm. They're little yellow fat deposits, and we can get them behind our ankle, like on our Achilles tendons as well. But as far as high cholesterol goes, there's not a lot of symptoms. That arise, but you you have high cholesterol, so you really need to be Mm -hmm. the person to go to the doctor and get it checked. Yeah, how often? Um, It depends on the person again, but I would say at least starting at age thirty, one to three years. If you have high cholesterol, you need to get it checked at least once a year. What causes it to become high? Your diet. Everything goes back to diet and exercise. Oh my lord! Stop eating fast food. (laughs) No fast food for anyone. So, can you give us a quick lowdown on the Dash diet? Mm -mm. No. Okay, that's fine. So, is medicine necessary? (coughs) It can be. Um, The medication that we use for high cholesterol is. Uh, there's very few side effects. Some people do have muscle cramps, muscle pain, and some liver issues mm. with it. But there, it's it's tolerated really well, and it works really well. We have a lot of different op- options for it. And based on which medication you are taking that your physician prescribes, we can estimate the percentage reduction of your cholesterol that we think is going to happen and should happen. I don't even remember what your question was. But it's <laughs> is a, it necessary? Is medicine necessary? At a certain point, it becomes necessary. Are there alternative treatments? <coughs> diet and exercise. <laughs> Back to that diet and exercise again. Diet and exercise. Okay, so muscle cramps, is that the only side effect that some people That's might like get? That's like the most common, and some people can't tolerate it. <coughs> so now you're giving me your cough. I mean, guys, allergies, for real. So is it harmful long-term to take... Mm. Uh, cholesterol medica- medication? Well, uh, I couldn't get that one out. I'm going to blanket statement say no. Okay. Uh, we talked about exercise for a long time. How often do I need to get my cholesterol level checked? You already asked me that. 
I did? Once Depends on the person. Okay. So if you're young like me, I've had my cholesterol checked twice. I'm 33. Um, I'll probably get it checked maybe one or two more times here before I'm 40, but probably at 40. I do have family history of it, so I will check it pretty often every year probably okay at, at age 40 for sure yeah awesome all right so let's talk about you yay yeah. <laughs> i'm pregnant so, i have allergies what why did you want to become a doctor um uh, funny this goes with this segment my grandmother has heart disease she's dead she did and she had a triple bypass surgery and i was fascinated <coughs> um when her vein got harvested out of her leg and put in her heart. Oh, cool. So that's kind of like where it started when I was younger. But I've always wanted to be a doctor. Literally no other option. Oh, well, so tell us a little bit of background in your education. Um, I went to Texas Tech for medical school, UTMB for residency, and undergrad up in Dallas at UT Dallas. And you've been And I went this... to Creek. Yes. So you're back, in, back on I'm your home. side of town. That's awesome. So if someone wanted to make an appointment with you, how do they reach you? They can call 281-604-1300. Talk to our lovely ladies and make an appointment with me up at the clinic. Do you know the website? No. It's txgulfcoastmed.com. And you are on the... um, the website for people to do online appointments so if you if anybody is out there and you're looking at the txgolfcoast.com website there's a little button that says zocdoc and click on that one and you can schedule online so you don't if you Super don't easy. want to call you can just do it on your phone or your laptop or whatever and then yeah. we'll be happy to okay any parting words before we go diet and exercise <laughs> all right we'll look up the dash diet and have a little bit more information for people too okay so next week we're going to have dr david fairweather bethany hoover and stacy ship we're going to be talking about trauma and stroke Ooh. and all sorts of fun stuff so Ooh. check in next tuesday at four and also if you're interested in going to our ba- mom and baby extravaganza march 8th that's next thursday at 6 p.m go to barmc.us to learn more about that we love to see you at that free event as well Uh, we will say farewell until next week talk to you soon